Welcome to Family Life Today, brought to you with the compliments of this station and power to change. We're always encouraged to receive your feedback and comments on the program, but I'll tell you how you can do that at the conclusion. But now, here are your Family Life Today presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine. Okay, let's get real. Think Let's can, get real. We never get real. <laughs> think That's you can talk us. about our biggest struggle for us in the bedroom. Well, I don't know what you would say. I would say for decades. Well, let's say years. Frequency. Yeah. Arguments about desire. Yeah, I would say that was true for years when our kids were little, for sure. Yeah, especially when our kids were little. You got kids hanging all over you, and I'm, I'm like, hey, what do you think? And you're like, are you serious? I'm like, do you think you could help me put those kids <laughs> down or give them a bath? And it was just this constant fight. And we, and we can talk later because I learned a ton mm. about how I totally was missing understanding your uh, whole perspective on the same area. Welcome to Family Life Today, where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Ann Wilson. And I'm Dave Wilson, and you can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on our Family Life app. This is Family Life Today. I feel like... Each marriage goes through different phases in terms of their sexual intimacy. Yeah, and if we need help in any area, boy, oh, boy, it's this area. And we've got two people in the studio they to can help, help us. us. I don't know if they're going to help anybody else. We're the ones that really need their help. No, they're going to help everybody. We've got Gary Thomas back in the studio with Deborah Falada. They've written a book together called Married Sex. And we need your help, and I know you know Millions of other couples need your help as well, but welcome back to Family Life Today. Thank you. It's great to Thanks be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we've already uh, discussed a little bit. You know, you guys got together and wrote a book on God's perspective and God's heart about sex. And Gary, you've written all kinds of books. What, 20 plus? Yeah. Over the years, you, you've been a pastor in the in the Houston area. You've got kids and grandkids. Deborah, married to John, we had you on and made John come in the studio with you. Which was awesome. But you're a therapist. So the, the combination of you two together to talk about this was dynamite. So talk about where we started. Are there differences with couples in the area of desire? You know, this is definitely one of the most common problems in marriage is people struggling with different desire for frequency. Like, And, and I think what it comes down to is what is that really attached to underneath the surface? Well, for a lot of us, the difference in desire feels like rejection. Hmm. It feels like we're not wanted. It, it, it might even cause us to question, is there something wrong in our relationship? So, you know, one thing I have couples do at marriage conferences where I speak is I have them write down their number of how often do you think you have sex? Write it on a piece of paper. Don't share it with your spouse right away. What's interesting is the same couple often has different numbers, even though um, they're clearly engaging together, but it's because our perspectives are different. Hmm. And, and then when you ask them wh what their ideal number is, that's going to be different as well. I think we really need to get to the root of why is this the amount that we're having sex? Is the why 
rooted in something healthy or unhealthy? Is it because we're busy? Is it because there's problems in our marriage? Is it because our schedule is packed? What is the root? And and then let's start talking about the why, if we want to make some progress in this area. Hmm. Another aspect to look at that a lot of therapists have been talking about is the difference between spontaneous desire and responsive desire. Hmm. And just understanding the way that your brain is wired can be really helpful. Spontaneous, some people don't like that word as much, but it basically means, it sounds like Dave was spontaneous. You don't need a lot of triggers. Responsive, often you don't actually desire sex until you let yourself be physically stimulated. Hmm. You might be willing to do it, and you know you're kind of a responsive drive spouse if it doesn't sound like that good of an idea, but you decide you go ahead and do it, and then afterwards you're like... Why don't we do this every day? <laughs> it just means your arousal pattern is different, that you have to be open to the idea. And so there's some very practical things that you realize that, okay, instead of the immediate no, maybe can be a really helpful word for couples. Now, there has to be freedom to say no, always. There has to be freedom to say no. Maybe doesn't always mean yes, but it means, you know what? We can start kissing, we can start cuddling, we can see where it goes. If it's a healthy marriage without coercion or manipulation or worried about huge pouting where somebody's going to pay, it can really be a way to bridge those different desires. And so if you're spontaneous drive spouse and your spouse is more responsive drive, you can't fight about initiating. Your spouse has the brain they have. Hmm. And to expect them to act like a spontaneous brain spouse is like expecting an introvert to act like an extrovert. The introvert might be willing to go to a party But you can't think that they think it's a great idea or wanting Mm. to stay longer. You respect the spouse you have, and then you try to figure out, how do we make this work? What are the patterns that aren't helpful? What are the ones that are? And where I found it works the best is when both parties don't just understand, but they respect and appreciate the other partner's brain, and they seek to relate to the person that way in Mm. a way that builds them up and affirms them. What you don't want to see, and I've seen this in one instance where the wife had very much the higher drive, where one spouse feels broken. Mm. She would say to him, what's the matter? Don't you know how many husbands wish their wives were like me? And he goes, I know. But then she started to feel broken because she keeps hearing your husband's supposed to be chasing you around the table. They both felt broken because of their sexual desire. You know, our sexual desire is what it is. Don't look at it as being broken. Look at it as understanding each other, having empathy for each other, and wanting to serve and please each other. You guys, what would that conversation look like? Like, walk us through, Deborah. How would we begin that conversation? Because I know that a lot of couples don't even have any conversation about this. Yeah. You know, again, I think it starts with writing down that number and figuring out from your perspective, how often are we being intimate? And then from my perspective, how often are we being intimate? And then really starting to dig into what is your level of satisfaction with that number and why? And what does it mean to you when we're intimate? And what does it mean to you when I say I don't want to be intimate? And are there things in our life that might be preventing us from being closer? Let's look at our relationship. Is there anything in our relationship that we need to work on? Let's look at outside influences. Is our schedule too busy? Is there sin in our life? You know, there's a a sex specialist named Patrick Carnes. He specializes in sex addiction, and he coined the term sexual anorexia because he feels like from the couples that he works with, he sees that so many couples are not 
engaging in intimacy. They get to a point where it just kind of goes to the back burner and they're not having sex and they think that's the norm instead of trying to figure out, okay, what what's going on here? Is there something going on that we need to address? Hmm. And then when you look at culture, some of the outside influences such as the fact that we are such a jam-packed, busy, just do the grind and work hard and don't stop culture. On top of that, look at the influence of pornography and how it's fueling so many people rather than allowing them to go to their spouse They go to the pornography world. And so there's a lot of outside influences that are also preventing us from having a healthy intimacy with our spouse. And I think both things internally and and externally both need to be addressed and talked about. We need to encourage couples to have that uncomfortable talk. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are so many different reasons. Here are three real-life examples that might trigger people's thinking. One was a wife whose husband didn't realize that women's noses are more sensitive than men's. <laughs> we just say, guys, just because you smell okay to yourself doesn't mean you smell okay to your wife. <laughs> Take a shower, brush your teeth. Hygiene was a real issue. It mm. just turned her off. She was embarrassed to tell him, but it caused more frustration in their marriage because he thought she just didn't like sex. In fact, she just didn't like it if he smelled. Mm. And so they could have resolved that. A second one might be if it's not mutually pleasurable. If the wife says, I feel like I'm being used, and nobody likes to feel used. Nobody should be used in marriage. Talking in my book, Cherish, I said, I want to use sex to cherish my wife, which is very different from using my wife to cherish sex. Mm -hmm. A spouse picks up. Am I the only available sexual partner? Therefore, they're just trying to con me into sex because they want to have sex. It's not necessarily me. It's not celebrating me or desiring me. They desire sex. That's a real problem that needs to be addressed. So it's not about how often you have sex there. It's dealing with the motivation for sex. Mm. But then Dr. David Schnarch, who was uh, one of the leading Christian sex therapists, he, he died in the last year, talked about how a guy had real problems with ED. And he helped his wife understand that every time they had sex, there was the fear of failure. Mm. There was anxiety. There was desire, but there's anxiety. What if I fail? And so Dr. Schnarch just pulled away. Do you realize every time you guys have had sex for 25 years, the first thought in his mind is, am I going to perform? Am I going to be okay? And she had no idea. 25 years, she never realized the anxiety that her husband brought into the bedroom. And and guys, there are anxieties that your wife probably brings into the bedroom that she has never spoken to you. What do I need to know about you in the bedroom? Your fears, your concerns, your frustrations that I don't know. Let's have that talk. And I think it's really important to be gentle and kind, and I would say pray before you have that conversation. Because it's easy to come in like you never or you always, but to go in with I'm feeling or ask, what are you feeling or experiencing? And honestly, that's what I did. You know, as we go back to even when we had this discussion early in our marriage, well, you know, it's 10 years in, 15 years in, I was so selfish. I wasn't willing to hear her heart. And now I look back and realize, and she told me I had to hear it. She wanted frequency as much as me she really did but she didn't feel loved she didn't feel cherished i felt used yeah i mean it was just like an Mm -hmm. act you know gary you wrote i mean i thought this is exactly what she told me you said men all you need to awaken your wife's desire are ears that are willing to listen 
hands that are willing to learn, and a heart that is willing to serve. Hmm. That's what Ann told me. And then I realized, and again, that didn't flip overnight, but I realized, oh my goodness, she wants to make love. She does not feel cherished and nourished and loved and seen and heard and gentle and appreciated. And when I realized that, I was like, okay, this is exciting in some ways. Like, this whole world could open up if I really love her the way she deserves and needs to be loved. One section of the book, it's really committed to helping couples understand how to navigate these hard conversations. And what do you begin with? Well, the first step is begin with affirmation. Because when you see your, your spouse like an emotional bank account, you cannot start to make withdrawals, ask for things to be changed, do things differently, try, don't do this anymore, I don't like this. You cannot ask for things to be changed because you're making emotional withdrawals if you have nothing in the bank to begin with. Hmm. You've got to make deposits. You've got to be affirming and loving and caring before you begin these conversations. The other thing that was just so fascinating when we surveyed women, especially asking them, you know, what gets you going? The number one thing they said was, in order to arouse my body, you have to begin by arousing my heart. You've got to awaken my heart. You've got to connect with my heart. Can I tell the guys when she says arouse my heart? There's also a spiritual side to that. Yeah. She's not just talking about chocolate and I love you, which are great, but mm. it really is the relational element that sets us up. And so it might be something that's lacking outside of the bedroom that makes sex not as desirable, a lack of prayer, a lack of emotional intimacy. It might be something negative outside the bedroom that is happening, a critical spirit, bitterness or anger, or it might be something in the bedroom what's happening isn't pleasurable or their fears we're just saying maybe this is a, a book you can use to raise the issue we've called it a book of questions more than answers to get couples talking because we've seen couples suffer subpar sexual relationships for decades mm. because they're afraid of a 20-minute conversation well talk about this because ann has said to me what you just said gary she said to me many times the sexiest the most romantic thing you can ever do for me is is pray walk is with leave, god is walk with god and i'm like what really that connects to this part of it so we've got two women here we got deborah and ann talk to the men about that how how does that awaken a woman's heart you know, when we look at sex, and I really believe God's design for sex, it's really about relationship. All of us are relational beings, emotional beings, sexual beings. And if we really want to have a healthy sex life, we've got to start truly seeing it as an act that builds relationship. This is a holistic experience, mind, body, and soul. And when we can pursue those areas in our marriage, it's going to make such a difference in our physical connection as well, because our physical connection is simply the overflow of all of those other things. And so it's exciting to be able to kind of look at it that way. It's a puzzle and we get to, to build it. We get to create it. A good sex life isn't something that you find. It's something you have to make. It's something you have to work at. Mm. Let's talk about, because maybe you guys have experienced this too, where I have so many women coming up to me saying, my husband's addicted to porn. I don't know what to do. I hate him. This has been going on for years. He says he's going to get better, but he doesn't. And it has destroyed our sex life. Like, give some help to those people. And, and it's not always 
just the man struggling. Sometimes it can be the wife as well. So talk to us about that a little bit, Gary. Porn use torpedoes marital sexuality. It it blows up everything that God designed it for. We know now what it does to a male brain, that it literally trains you to not be satisfied with your wife. Hmm. So absolutely, it has to be addressed. You can't cherish your wife, men. If you cherish porn, you're training yourself to not be satisfied by your wife. Let me also say as a pastor, because I work with a lot of young men, and I have a heart for them. They grew up in a different age than I did. I grew up in an age, and Dave, you did yeah. magazines, right? right? Which you could control. Yeah. There are young men, they didn't go looking for it. They stumbled on it. And for some, not all, for some of them, it becomes this whole, they get a, a dopamine hit, and then it's shrouded by shame. They know it's wrong, and so they don't tell anybody. And I just feel for how they feel ripped up. They love the Lord. And now young women, young women often feel even more shame because they think it's supposed to be a guy's problem. So what's wrong with me? Now, let me also say that when we talk about sexual, there's a difference between a guy who's struggling with this and in accountability and receiving appropriate counseling and a guy who just doesn't want his wife to find out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do believe as a pastor, there's a point where unrepentant, consistent and persistent pornography use becomes an affair. Hmm. In one sense, it's it's always lust and, and it's cheating on your spouse. But when you're replacing your sex life with your wife, with a digital sex life, just because it's not a person, it does everything that Jesus, I, I believe, would say constitutes adultery. Mm-hmm. You're not intimate with your wife. It's sex on its own sake. And so I think we need to realize the seriousness of it and the devastation it does. But can we also have a heart for the young men and young women who feel that they were entrapped by this? And how do we help lift them out so that we don't increase their shame and just make the situation worse? And that's why we need counselors like Deborah to help people deal with this. Yeah, and Deborah, what would you say to the couple that's maybe it's a secret in their marriage right now? Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a man or woman listening and they're like, I'm struggling and my wife, my husband doesn't know. What do they do with addiction? It becomes a need. It's covering up issues. It's becoming secretive. It's causing you to lie. It's starting to affect your life on a regular basis. Like Gary said, there's a a dopamine release. There's something happening in your brain. You're actually changing your brain, and it's going to change your marriage. It's going to affect how you view your spouse. It's going to affect how you view yourself. And so I think part of the problem here is when a couple finds themselves in a situation with with addiction to pornography, a lot of people assume that it's about having more sex. Like maybe we just need to be more intimate and have more sex, and maybe I'm, I'm just not satisfying my spouse's needs enough. But that's not the solution because addictive porn use is rooted in something deeper that has nothing to do with your sex life. It has to do with control. It has to do with insecurities. It has to do with a stress response. It has to do with past trauma for some people. And so the best thing that you can do when you find that you have, you know, addiction in your life is, number one, to confess it to your spouse. And I I always suggest confessing it with the help of a professional counselor, because sometimes you don't even know where to begin. For those of you who are like, I kind of have a secret life, I don't even know where to begin. Bring somebody in to kind of help you navigate that conversation. And number two, 
get to the root of the problem, work with a therapist, figure out how to heal from this, because you've got to heal that wound before you can then build a healthy sex life. You've got to start with healing before you can start building the foundation of a healthy sex life. What I've heard so many therapists say, because I, I want to help people, not just cast shame with this, that there is hope. They tell me, Gary, guys don't get over this, and women don't get over this outside of community. Yep. This is why the churches, instead of just preaching against porn, which should do, both Deborah and I have talked about how devastating it is, and even problematic use. Guys, just because it's once a month, it's still doing damage. But when you can get in communities where you will encourage each other and build each other up and hold each other accountable, that's where healing begins. I've talked to guys, one guy who was deep into this, and he said when he was talking with guys in his recovery group, he would know their deepest sins, their character traits, where he struggled and all of that. He wouldn't know anything about his job. He wouldn't know his last name. He didn't know his favorite sports team. He says at church, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. I know his favorite sports team. I know his job. I know about how much money he makes. I don't know anything about what's going on in his heart. Mm-hmm. And my vision, Dave, and you know, as you being a pastor, how do we create church communities that right. build real fellowship and community without people having to be addicted to find it? Because mm-hmm. it will help a healthy life on all levels, maritally, with fellowship and worship is the best way to fend off temptations because we live in a world rife with temptations. Yeah, and any man listening or any wife listening that's struggling with this has just been given their marching orders. It's like... Don't do it alone. I have men in my life. Anne knows them, and they know my struggles. And Anne knows my struggles. So it's both Anne. It's just what Deborah said, and the same for a wife. It's like that might be the thing you do as you turn this off. It's like, okay, i got to tell a buddy. I got to tell a friend and I got to tell my wife and we got to get to the root with somebody that's trained that can help me understand there's a root to why I'm doing this because that can possibly save my marriage. to thank Dave and Ann Wilson along with Bob Lapine and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. This program is brought to you each Monday to Friday through the generous gifts of everyday Australians like you. If you'd like to give a once-off gift or a monthly donation, please click the Give tab on our website at families.powertochange.org.au. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family.